Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist recommended. This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. If you are a wine lover like myself and you gotta have it for your bachelor reviewing parties, I'm gonna let you in on a little secret. I found the personalized the most personalized wine club that has amazing wines and exclusive perks called First Leaf. As a First Leaf member, you get to try new wines and I'm guaranteed to enjoy them because they got to know my unique preferences. I answered a few questions on their website, this quiz about the flavors you like, how often you drink wine, Monday nights, if you prefer red, white, or rosé. And based on these, it gives you this amazing selection of wines tailored just for you. And when you rate those wines, it gets even more tailored, a la, you know, uh, Netflix. Just play into the algorithm. My algorithm got me both rosé and white wine, Mm. my favorites, and they were so delicious, and I've gotten to enjoy them with many of my, my friends. Look, being part of the First Leaf Wine Club also has perks. As a member, you get access to their incredibly helpful wine concierge, So if you want uh, wine pairing advice or you want to talk about the wines in your box, you can always talk to one of their experts. Plus, you get member exclusive pricing. What's in the box? On every order. Join the club today and discover new wines you'll love with First Leaf. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash roses to get your first box. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F dot com slash roses try firstleaf.com slash roses creams and serums are made of 70 percent water 15 percent preservatives and emulsifiers leaving only around 15 percent for the active ingredients that your skin needs but luckily now there's fiber skincare 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in um, Three Body Problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums, as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. Uh, it's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums, and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven-day oh. program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact... Mm. They have a tighter skin guarantee. 
If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber Skincare. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. This is the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. I don't want anyone to be thinking about fantasy suites. It's so early. We don't even know if we have a connection. Right. And it sounds like you have pretty sure thoughts on it so to not even put you in that place i do think it would be time for you to go okay i'm gonna agree with her welcome to game of roses this is pace case this is bachelor clues and we have a breakdown of the first game of the regular season of season 19 of the bachelorette for you right now this is the first time we are seeing group dates and one-on-one dates this season. This group date was insane. It was historic. We will get to why and how. And these one-on-one dates were very interesting too. Not quite historic. In fact, uh, one of them was an exact replica of a date we saw in <coughs> season 21. <laughs> That's, of course, Nick Vial. I was wondering when you would bring it up. My guess was not... Five seconds in. Look, I can't help it, okay? Anytime there is cause to talk about the great one and what I believe is the most important season of The Bachelor ever in the history of it. That's not actually true, but it was my favorite season. Uh, I will take that opportunity to bring up that point. Well, before we get into the game, we have a bit of business. We are selling our new merch, our logo shirts and bags and hats at gameofroses.co. And this also includes a green tote, which we are selling and giving 50% of the profits to the National Network of Abortion Funds, which works with 80 local abortion funds across the country to give money according to the level of threat to abortion access in that area of the country. So get those today for all your peacocking endeavors. That's gameofroses.co. And if you are new to this program, as we know, some people might be tuning in for the very first time as you're watching this season of Bachelorette 19. We use a lot of language that is proprietary to this show, things we've come up with to describe various components of the game, plays that can be made, certain awards we give out. Those may be confusing to you. So we're going to try to explain (laughs) them as we go if we remember to. Sometimes we get into the rhythm and we don't remember. So if that's the case, you can always go back and we have a couple of episodes called Game of Roses Lexicon that explain what some of these things are. All of these terms are also uh, outlined and written in our book, How to Win the Bachelor. There's a big glossary in the back that explains all of this stuff. So with that being said, let's do what we came here for. And now... Pace Case and Bachelor Clues proudly present analysis of play in this week of our beloved game. This is Game of Roses. Okay. Episode two, week one. It began with a promo, as they always do tonight on The Bachelorette. We see Logan stripping down. We see a lot of voluntary nudity, which, Jesus Christ, was there a lot in this episode. We see DLP being repulsed. Nate is kissing in a hot tub. There's a lot of kissing in this promo. No one knows how the game mechanics are going to work. Still, there's dancing, more kissing. 
Two group date roses, it looks like, on a little tray. We hear someone say there has to be a point where they like the same person, referring to the Bachelorettes. It seems to be Logan saying this. Someone's being manipulative. Rekia is talking to a producer. Someone makes the mistake of talking about fantasy suites too early. Gabby sends them packing, it looks like, and everyone, all the guys are running to witness the fallout from this conversation. Shit is getting real, and we end the promo on an ominous electric guitar growl. Like, shit's about to fucking go off the rails. That's the tone. We begin portion one, and it's raining at the Bachelorette house. And when Dekia a.k.a. Rachel Recky and Gabby Windy are chatting on a couch under blankets and they joke about how they're such goofballs. I can't believe we canceled the rose ceremony. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is a joke because they are acting like they are making all of these decisions real. when obviously they oh. are not. And Rachel says, how do we get them to show us their six-pack abs when it's raining? We had planned on having an all-player date pool party. And I'm like, can you believe the gall that we have to cancel the rose ceremony? Now, what are we going to do to make the men strip now that it's raining? I'm just, the sauce is out of control. She even says, we didn't have a choice. We had to cancel it. It's like, well, that's true, at least, because the producers made you do that. I mean, it's the acting and I mean no slight against Rachel Recchia or Gabby Windy. The <laughs> acting in these scenes is not good. It's not believable. It's not convincing. I don't believe that they're actually best friends. I think they are very good friends, and they're going through this crazy situation together, which is going to bond them even closer, I think. But I don't believe they were best friends through the crucible of Bachelor Season 26, not even through the crucible of Rose Ceremony from Hell. For the record, I don't believe they're best friends either. <laughs> But this is the way that the show is being promoted. I know. It's a complete fabrication. But then at the mansion, we're given a rare glimpse at the terrible living conditions players are forced to suffer through. (laughs) And we see a bunch of the guys in bunk beds. That's generally what happens to you if you go in after night one. But then we also see there's dudes like Logan is fully asleep in entire outfit, entire wardrobe. He's wearing like a fucking coat, his shoes. This man never even took his fucking clothes off. And he's just laying on a couch. And you have to wonder to yourself, is this breaking some kind of rules somewhere in some kind of union? I know that they are not actors. They're not in SAG, although we're going to get to something later that happens tonight that makes me want to argue Nate, at the very least, is being forced to do acting work and is not being paid for it. That, I do believe, is illegal. Okay, I am excited to get to that. (laughs) Yeah, I think there's a shot in the show that is evidence of that. He may be able to have a lawsuit here. But here here we see that these producers are just like, fuck it. You sleep on the couch. You sleep on the fucking couch outside. It's raining outside. They made some motherfuckers sleep on a couch in the rain. There are 29 of them. Do I believe that there's not enough beds? No. I think they have enough beds. I think that they're showing us the exact same living conditions that they have every season. Fucking get a hotel for one night for 10 of them. They can't afford that. It's the fucking bachelor. No, they're just trying to make a thing of it that there's too many guys. Yeah, well, of course. But it there's something, again, that the producers did here, and I think the producers have a hard time understanding how to put this show together correctly, what they should be showing us and what they shouldn't be. And we will talk about some more of that later as well. But here we get our first glimpse of like the producers like, oh, look, this will be funny. Show how the guys are living in squalor. It's like, you're putting them in the fucking squalor. 
This, this isn't like there's no one else there. The producers are literally telling these guys, you guys will be in these bunk beds. Sorry, we don't have enough rooms. You, and then someone has to sleep on a couch outside while it's raining. It gets fucking cold out in those hills at night, too. It's cr- <laughs> like, I don't know. I'm just saying it seems like they're really torturing these fuckers in a way that is completely unnecessary and, and even above and beyond what they usually do. The psychological torment This is like physical torment. I think if you want great TV, it is necessary. Oh. So when Dekia join the players at the mansion and Rekia goes, are you excited to be at the mansion? Finally out of the hotel, like trying to ramp them up. You got to the mansion level. It's not so bad. <laughs> Did you see when she comes in, when uh, Gabby Wendy comes in, she hugs somebody and they blurred her mouth. Did you see this? I think she swore. You think that's what it was? Because let me take you to... Conspiracy Town. Population me. I thought we were already there. You already came up with a lawsuit for Nate. I thought that was going to be our one conspiracy town of the... No, I think that has legitimate grounds. This conspiracy that I have, I'm... I mean, I'm not fully convinced, but I'm not not convinced that she said something that divulges something about the end of the season or use the term producers. She might have even said, can't believe the producers did that shit to you or something. It was just a strange thing. Like, they don't need that shot even. Why even include that shot if she says something they don't want us to hear? It's just her hugging someone. I think it's just her greeting them and she said like, oh, fuck or something. And they're trying to be like, oh, look, Gabby's like so fun. She uses, you know, blue language. And then what? The standards and practices of people are like, you have to not only beep it, you have to blur her mouth because young impressionable children can't even see the impression of the word. Like, why blur it out visually? Maybe she said like, hey, I love your... What? (laughs) I don't know what you're even saying. Well, then I was like, well, actually, all the things I'm thinking are inappropriate to even put on the podcast. So I will refrain like a lady. Gabby says, we wanted to get to know you guys individually. So naturally, we thought a pageant would be the best way. And I really feel like if they had just let Roby stay one more night, I I think he could have been a ring winner if they'd seen what he brought to the pageant. Well, it definitely would have been interesting to see him try to do card tricks in a Speedo. Because a lot of sleight of hand Mm -hmm. magic requires you to have places to like pocket cards or palm them or back pockets in your pants. You know what I mean? To like get rid of the cards. Yeah, you can't. That's what you should tell a magician is to strip down. It would fuck up a lot of their tricks for sure. I mean, there's some sleight of hand that's just like moving the cards around in your hands, but there's a lot of it that requires you to be able to hide the cards on your person. I don't know if we should put this in the episode. I feel like the magicians are going to come after you for revealing one of their big, big <laughs> secrets. Well, they should start by going after YouTube. That's where I learned all my secrets. But they bring in these big red bags and they tell the guys they have 30 minutes to get ready for this pageant. And the guys open the bags to find Speedos. Now, this is an exact recreation of the same date that happened on season 15 of The Bachelorette. That's Hannah Brown, where she had all of her guys, not all 29, but all there were maybe like 10 of them on this group date. They had to do a pageant style uh, wearing of Speedos and doing talents and all this kind of stuff on a stage. And in that one, they didn't really black box too many of the genitalia. Here... Almost all the genitalia are black box. (laughs) 
So as they're stripping down, we're getting all these black boxes. We're seeing the guys doing push-ups and setups, tricep dips, anything they can to maximize their vascularity as they know that they are about to be on full display. And I have to say, muscularity here, pretty good all around. Vascularity is just not there this season. Despite all these guys doing all these exercises, I'm just not seeing the veins. Are you not seeing Ryan, a.k.a. Mad Chad, too? He didn't look that vascular to me. No, maybe you gotta look. You gotta see through the black boxes to see the vascularity. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think it's amazing that we talked all about how much we wanted to see vascularity this season, and then we have a speedo all player date. Not only a speedo all player date, not only week one. This is five and a half minutes into the first episode of the fucking regular season, and it's twenty nine players in speedos. This is the largest field of force nudity players we have ever seen. And it is the fastest we have ever seen it happen in the course of a season, bar none. The next closest to this was, I think, probably Claire Crawley's season, 16 of Bachelorette, uh, the force nudity group date that was a dodgeball group date that all the guys had to be in Speedos for. But that was maybe like 10 guys, 12 guys. This is 29 fucking dudes, all forced to become almost fully nude and flex and show off their vascularity. At least there was something they were doing during the dodgeball date. This was, I mean, I know there was rain and it's unexpected in Los Angeles, but we saw multiple people doing the same trick, juggling. Yeah. We saw multiple people using the same props. It was like they, you gotta have more backup, especially for yeah. week one. By the way, Ryan, a.k.a. Mad Chad 2, I noticed, has drawn on himself Rachel's name, a visual all eggs, one basket. And Ethan identifies that he has stuffed a sock in his Speedo on all socks, one basket. Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> I would also like to note <laughs> that this is not the same as a pool party date. A pool party date is you get to wear whatever you want, which can just be like board shorts. These can be swim trunks. Mm -hmm. In this date, they are all forced to wear Speedos. This is a degree higher on the forced nudity chart. That is worth noting. And also worth noting, no one did... This is all forced nudity down to the Speedos. No one did a voluntary nudity play dropping the entire speedo i was surprised about that as was i i thought as soon as logan because we end this portion as we're going to get to logan is first up and he kind of drops his robe and we see a shot of gabby going oh my god uh i thought that he was going to be fully nude under the robe i mm -hmm. thought the first guy out was just going to be like here it is here's my full exposed nude form that is not what happens but prior to this dlp comes in and he tells the fellows he screams upstairs come on fellows i'll meet you in the living room so uh this is essentially just an exception of night uh, an extension of night one, except that the guys are now forced into the nudity. And DLP tells them that the pageant prize for the most heart and creativity, he says, and maybe the most skin. And as soon as he said that, all I was doing in my head is like, would he ever say this if it was The Bachelor? And these were all women. Of course not. He says it will be to have uh, Gabby and Rachel invite you to their place for an exclusive after party. This is a play for time. And then DLP tells them they must disrobe and show their, in quotes, look forward and backward. Again, would that ever be said on The Bachelor? I did not understand what forward and backward meant. On I think it meant show us your genitalia and your buttocks. 
Hmm. I feel like this speech by Dark Lord Palmer was like, whoever does the best today, it's the most creative, or who shows their dick, or it's already been decided. Who cares? Like, they're just not even hiding the fact that it's a completely subjective thing. No one who even gets to the after party was even featured, basically. They only include two people's names who even show up. Well, no, I mean, this date fell flat. It was an absolute disaster, in my opinion. It was a bad decision creatively. They didn't execute it well, the producers, I mean. Uh, There was nothing interesting happening in this. None of these guys, I mean, it's kind of on them too. None of them really came to play. You're given this moment, especially in dates like this, where you have to walk across a stage and it's your turn now to do whatever it's going to be, whether it's a forced nudity or a pageant or you have to read a poem or sing a song or whatever the, the case may be. In these moments, you have to shine brighter than all the other players to make sure you get screen time. No one really did it. The juggling, kind of, I guess. Nobody did anything really that interesting, but nonetheless. No, I mean, you get Quincy wearing the Borat one. We get a couple colorful narrator ITMs from Tino. So many butts, so many dudes who don't skip leg day. ITM from Nate. Never went to the store and thought, I'm going to get the thong one. Yeah, the one that gets in the crease. Yeah. There was a guy spinning nunchucks around. Did you see that? I don't know who that was, but I thought, now here we go. And I was sure that guy was going to hit himself in the nuts and go to the ground. IFI didn't do it. Or if he did, they cut it out. Perfect opportunity for a funny IFI. He just, IFI, by the way, is an injury, fear, or illness play. And that gets you out of the date and it makes the lead come over and check on you. And it can be real or fake. And then there were a couple interesting ones. Someone does a split eagle headstand. Yep. And then Meatball comes out. Jacob had a pretty good one too, right before Meatball, where he turns his chair around mm. and he's he's like, "Let me, I'm going to teach you something, ladies. I'm going to teach you how to save thirty thousand dollars on your mortgage or whatever." And that I thought that was actually pretty funny. Yeah, that one was good, but not as good as this one. Yeah. Um. Where do we even begin? If you've been listening to this program for the past couple of months, we talk a lot about something we call the sauce wars. This is the name we have given to what we perceive as a widening divide within the nation between official Bachelor Nation podcast hosts and loyalists to the show and the producers and podcast hosts and people who are not potentially loyal to the producers telling the truth about what is going on in this show. And the podcast hosts uphold the lie. We deem the lie to be the sauce because Grocery Store Joe, who is one of the hosts of Clickbait, one of the biggest Bachelor Nation podcasts, he sells this tomato sauce called Sundays with Joe. So we jokingly have coined this term the sauce wars to describe that ever-growing divide between the truth and the lies within Bachelor Nation. And now Meatball (laughs) comes up here. He's in a Speedo. He comes out with a jar of tomato sauce kneels down and pours it all over his own body. He is putting his finger in it. He is fucking licking it. There's sauce over the floor. His feet are fucking going in it. Now, at this point, if, Pace Case, you do not believe that somehow we are manifesting this show from our minds (laughs) merely by thinking about these things, if you don't think that's a possibility, then I ask you to rethink, because I think it's happening. I mean, what the fuck is going on here? I, I don't know if we're manifesting it, I don't know if we've just completely lost our minds and now we're just, I i don't know, seeing it everywhere. But Meatball covering, coming out, covering, drenching himself in sauce 
It covers his face. It covers his crucifix necklace. It covers his American flag speedo and he licks it off his finger. And I'm like, I feel like this is America. I agree with you. Sauce Wars is America. It is a man wearing a Jesus necklace covered in sauce and the American flag. <laughs> Hallelujah. It, it's just so <laughs> strange to me. Like we talk about this shit jokingly and then it fucking appears in the show. Or the weird squirrel date that was in season 25. You're telling me we didn't manifest a fucking squirrel date? It feels like when I'm watching the presidential address and an ex-president says, I'm beating Bachelor finale ratings. It feels like that type of a moment. I agree with you. It's so specific to the weird shit we talk about on this podcast. It just shocked me is all. But even more shocking to me was... The shot that comes right after Meatball pours this juicy sauce all over his body. We cut to who? The Dark Lord Palmer himself for a reaction. And Dark Lord Palmer's look of horror and disgust <laughs> as he recoils from Meatball's sauce play was my... Face play of the... Game. Now, look, I've talked about DLP's faceplate. This motherfucker has an eyebrow that essentially operates on its own, much like mm -hmm. Tierra Lacazzi from season 17. We remember her astounding faceplate that whole season and her IFIs. But this is something new. Repulsion. And we saw it earlier from DLP, too. <laughs> I believe it was uh, Quincy, maybe. You say repulsion somehow like genitalia. <laughs> Both of them repulsed me. <laughs> That's exactly what DLP was doing earlier. I think it was Quincy who was in the kind of Borat Speedo. And he also mm -hmm. had a reaction to that genitalia with repulsion. So I'm just saying this to me, though, was a better faceplay reaction. And it was my faceplay of the game. You know who also displays repulsion to what's going on? Rachel, Rachel Recchia in her ITM. She says, I'm Italian, but I don't do canned sauce. Ooh, GSJ. Got to be hurting after that one. Slapped. Slapped <laughs> across the face of grocery store. What will be his response? I cannot wait. I know. I feel like they were... Okay, I don't think we're manifesting it. Here's what I think. This Please. is the more likely thing. GSJ sells sauce. He's talking about sauce. He's their podcaster. They're like, let's give him something to talk about. Mm. You think the producers told Meatball to cover himself in sauce so Grocery Store Joe would have something to talk about on clickbait. Yes. Okay. I'll potentially buy that. I think that's why they cast Hayden because he looks like Grocery Store. Yep. I agree with you. Okay. You've convinced me. Great. Well, <laughs> oh yeah, I said I can't believe they put sauce in this document. A layout for Grocery Store. Mm -hmm. When Dekia asked questions during this pageant of the players to get at core values. They're asking questions like Gryffindor or Hufflepuff. And we don't even see the answers to them. They don't even give us the answers. They cut together like three or four questions, these important questions to really get to the core of who these people are and get to know them. We don't even get to see the answers. So even if they were answering them, and even if Wendekia was getting some value out of that, really getting to know these guys, we don't get to see that happen. We don't get to see the relationship's developing because the producers don't give a shit. All they care about is 
put them in Speedos, throw the fucking sauce on them. We get one response, which is from Johnny, who is totting in a pilot hat. Gabby asked if you could kiss one of us, which one would it be? And Johnny says, is there a chance I could kiss both? And he kiss gets down off the circular platform and kisses them both on the cheek. I'm like, finally, we're getting some audience participation here, but I did feel it was weak. This is where you all eggs go for the lips. Either all eggs or lips them both. Or lips them both. Yeah. Make it a sexy season. Exactly. I think all exiting at this point is also a an error. So I don't think he should have all mm-hmm. eggs here. Because if, if that person doesn't like you, you're fucked. And we see later something like that happens to somebody who I thought was going to be a front runner. At any rate, we see Chris then uses a basketball to start a beat and he ITMs that he's the alpha number one leader. And we start <laughs> to see, OK, maybe they're spinning this guy into a little bit of villain. Then he does some bad singing to them. And Gabby says, I have no questions after your performance. <laughs> <laughs> and now the crowds go off to decide who's going to get the play for time. I, we can't just skip past Chris's performance here. He says... Ultimately, he believes he's the alpha, that there's three things he was demonstrating during this performance. One, sports, two, music, three, leadership. And he makes the guys stomp and sing. That is how he's performing leadership. And I really, when I saw this, I was like, I picture the people who made High School Musical pitching it in a very similar style. So it's about sports, but it's also about music and leadership and friendship. Yeah. And love. You didn't see High School Musical? No, I did not. They do stomping. There's work with basketball. Yeah. There's songs with basketball. Whatever. I know Zac Efron was in it. Is that isn't that pretty much all I need to know? That's how his career began. If you're I mean, not I, watching our video version, I, my eyes starting to twitch. Yeah, we're getting some hardcore face play from <laughs> Pace Case here. Then we move into portion three. Night falls. The guys are toasting to putting your cheeks out there. There's a knock at the door. It's a date card. This is for the after party. So we're now getting this weird thing. Again, the mechanics of the season are all fucked up. We got our first in quotes group date, but it was an all play group date with 29 people. And now six guys, Avon, Logan, Brandon, Jason, Johnny, and Colin Farrell are all going to go to this after party, which is what we deem a Mikasa. They're going to go meet them in their home. And again, it's completely unrelated to the pageant. They only said Johnny and Logan's names. We didn't see Avon's performance, Brandon, I don't know if we saw Brandon Colin. We only saw him in ITMs, I think. Um, But we go to the after party. And we see first this one-on-one tie between Rachel and Jason. And he all eggs one baskets. Gabby, right off the bat, loads level one, love level one for Gabby. I should be up front. When I got here, I felt a connection to Gabby. But I truly think you're the most genuine, beautiful, blah, blah, blah. And then we get this ITM from Rachel that is, this was the first... Cut conversation, cut melted together. And I'm like, they are editing this date in the way to make it look like this was the first conversation. I feel like it wasn't. And Mm -hmm. to just make it look like Rachel is starting imploding, but luckily she gets saved by this kiss at the end. And I hate this, the way they did this. Yeah, I mean, it's also interesting. I think the all exiting and stuff that happens like Rachel is disappointed in this ITM after this. 
And this is really, I think, the purpose of two bachelorettes. This is why the producers have done it. It takes away their power. It adds this extra psychological element that no other lead really has had to deal with. In a regular season, with one lead, I mean, all the players have to at least feign interest in that person. So you can't ever have a player showing like disinterest in somebody. They're gone immediately. Mm -hmm. But here, the players are like, well... I can. I don't really care about this lead. There's still another one. So it gives the player this strange level of power in the mechanics of the game that just has never really existed before, at least in the American game. Um, players don't have to like bend to every whim. Like, can you imagine if uh, Chris Souls had had another bachelor that lived in like New York or LA or something? And he's like, well, if you oh, come with God. me, you got to live in my hundred person town, Arlington, Iowa. Immediately, all players go to the other bachelor and just like <laughs> all eggs that one, you know? Um, I, I, it's interesting. I think it's like, it's a strange mechanic because it does take away the power of the lead. And I think the lead should be essentially presented as all powerful. That's like what makes the game work. But this is what's going on here. We'll get to it. But they continued this storyline for Rekia throughout this date. Uh, we meanwhile see Gabby. Things are going well for her. She gets a kiss with Johnny. He does this good kiss lead in line where he's like, I know I kissed you on the cheek earlier, but I want to retry that. Great recalling day portion. And they do this weird editing where it makes it look like Rachel Rekia walks in on them, which I don't really think she does. I don't think she did either, but we get to something later where definitely Gabby oversees something happening. And we'll talk about that because this is also a very interesting mechanic that reveals the producers don't give a fuck about these two leads or at the very, no, not don't give a fuck about actively want to destroy them. We'll get to that. Uh, Rachel Rekia then has a bunch of beats of her talking to guys where she hates the conversations. She ITMs that they're friendly cousin conversations. Brendan saying he traveled all the states. Colin saying he loves the Harry Potter audible <laughs> version, which I also love that Jim Dale is an amazing narrator. I almost gave the Harry Potter shit my air of the game. I'm like, don't <laughs> fucking talk about Harry Potter when you're on a date. Jesus Christ, dude. You don't bring up Harry Potter unless they've got a Harry Potter tattoo. But Rachel Reckia, <laughs> she hates Harry Potter. Rachel Reckia also hates interstate travel. She yeah. hates it all. <laughs> and she says, these guys are holding back with me. Somebody's got to step up their game. Then, can you believe it? She has one-on-one time with Logan. And he loves how brave she is to jump back into this process. And he says, when my name was called first for the speedo date, I took a page out of your book and was brave, which was a good, good line. I think we had a nice connection. I want to see more of it. They make out. They make out a couple of times. And then we see one-on-one time for Gabby with Logan right after this. But did you notice Rekia says, you're not a bad kisser yourself. This is chemistry approval from one of the greatest chemistry players in the history of the fucking game. That was not lost on me. I'm just saying. I was going to ask, was that lost <laughs> on you? Nope. All right, sorry. Anyway. Then we see Gabby. <laughs> Gabby and Logan. And he says, I'm really drawn to something about you. You make people smile and laugh, but I can also tell there's a whole ocean underneath that. It reminds me of that, like, those sayings where it's like, if a girl's hot, tell her she's smart. If a girl's smart, tell her she's hot. It reminded me of that type of line. He used a very similar technique with both of them, which was come in and be like, I know something about you that no one else sees. You're brave. And you, you're mm. not just funny. There's more under it than that. 
kiss, kiss. He's playing a very similar strategy here, and it's fucking working. Let's be real. It's working. But they are they are editing the lip, the double lip thing as a negative thing. Well, we'll see. I think they're going to give Logan a deep run, and I think they're going to make it like he's got to make a choice at some point, and that's going to wreck somebody. I don't think they're going to give him a villain edit. I really, really don't. Um, well, he says to the boys, things will get messy, no doubt about it, which I thought was hilarious. I was like, he's like, I can 100% guarantee yeah. things are going to get messy. Because he's fucking messing <laughs> it up. But then we cut yeah. to two group date roses on the table. And so we see that that's going to be a mechanic here. Each one of them is going to get to give out a, a date or a rose on this in quotes group date. It's really an after party, though. Play for time mm. of a 29 person all player group date. Very messy mechanics. Rekia and Wendy then have a girl chat. They talk about both liking Logan, and Rekia tells uh, Wendy that she kissed him. Now, in this edit, we see Gabby not saying that she kissed him. I think in the real conversation, they probably were both very open about that, and they just cut it out here. I think for some reason to build the idea that maybe there's now secrets between them or something, you know? And Gabby ITMs her heart dropping when she heard that Rachel Rekia kissed Logan, and Rekia tells Wendy that she will back off if she likes him. Again, they cut it to make it seem like there's no resolution here. Gabby Wendy doesn't say like, yeah, you should back off or no, go ahead, pursue him. There's no resolution mm -hmm. to this conversation. When in reality, I'm sure there was. Well, they don't want us to see the resolution because one of them is going to be like, yeah, I'm not that into him. Exactly. But I mean, it's just like this is part of how they construct narratives out of nothing. In reality, I'm sure one of them does like him more and said, no, you take him. He's yours. And there is no drama here around this. They are making it out of nothing. Nonetheless, Rekia gives her group date rose to Logan. And Gabby gives hers to Johnny. So we got our first two group date roses of the season. Congratulations to Logan and Johnny. And then Gabby ITMs it not being worth stepping on Rachel Rekia's toes. So she's giving up Logan for Rachel. And maybe that is the button on this little thing that may or may not exist. It's just, it's just like so thinly strung together, you know? They're trying to like create drama out of some of these moments and it, it just really isn't there. Portion four begins the next day with Dark Lord Palmer entering the mansion. He meets with all the players and calls out the first two roses, Logan and Johnny, and gives them the first date card. It is a Rachel Recchia one-on-one -on -one for Jordan Vandenberg. And she brings him to a blue old-fashioned car and they drive to the airport and Jordan plays an IFI here. He has a fear of zero G, despite being a race car driver. <laughs> also, what a weird fear. Listen, I've I've got some phobias. One of them is zero gravity. <laughs> huh? Where'd you develop that? Well, when I was small, I had a very weird instance of a pocket of zero gravity appearing in my house. It's like, what? It was when I was watching season 21 of The Bachelor. And I was like, <laughs> I never want to look like that person. It's it's worth noting. Let's just take a little trip down memory lane. If you'll come with me now. Season 21. Uh, the great one. This is a forced memory lane. <laughs> for the record. <laughs> it is. I agree with you. I'm not. This is happening. Uh, on season 21, the great one, Nick Vial, took his eventual ring winner Vanessa Grimaldi up into that exact same what they call the vomit comet. Uh, it simulates zero G by it's just an airplane. It, die, it climbs 
super high up to the very top of the atmosphere, and then it dives straight down. And in that dive, you experience a simulated zero gravity. When they did it, Vanessa Grimaldi got so sick that she was puking into an air sickness bag, and then he was right next to her. She was doing it, and they even wound up making out immediately after that. Now, we know from podcasts that she had some gum, and so it wasn't that bad and all this, but in the edit of that season, it looks like he's making out with her basically right after she pukes, <laughs> which is fantastic. No, when you when you sign the contract to do zero G, you have to make out. That's a thing. I didn't realize. Here, I thought, you know, for the updated version of this, I never like when they they reuse dates, but I got to say, no offense to the great one, this was a much better version of it. They actually did make out in zero G. They're flying around. It looks like they're in space. I thought it was very well played by both parties here. I love this date. I hope they do it every season. Yeah. I mean, the fact that they haven't done it since, when was that? 2016? Yeah. Seven years. Uh, it's it's okay to repeat that. I I agree. <laughs> I think, especially for the dates like this. Yeah, if it's an interesting date, and I agree with you, I think this is one of the more interesting ones that they've ever put together. Jordan B is in my top four, and I thought he was playing it pretty well. He was itming like her calming mm-hmm. ability is helping calm my nerves. I forgot about the guys in the house. I'm just spending time with her in this experience. That's exactly how you want to play a date like this. And that's exactly how you want to play an IFI. You're overcoming it with help of the bachelorette. And they have this kiss. But we go back to the house. Jesus fucking Christ. (laughs) Now, look, when they cut back to the house during a one-on-one, here's usually what's happening. There's only a few things that ever happen in these let's go back to the house and see what the guys are up to moments. One They're talking about the person who's on the one-on-one and the likelihood of them coming back or if that person has a secret that they need to tell, like if they are going to play a PVC, that's a personal virginity card, or if they're going to let them know that they have a kid or if they're going to do something like this. It's usually conjecture about who's on the one-on-one or some shit's (laughs) about to get stirred up. And that's what we got this time. Fucking Chris, seemingly unsolicited, just starts talking about his demands for the fantasy suite round. It's <laughs> fucking insane. So he's like, well, when it gets down to the final four, which I plan to be in, uh, if I get to a fantasy suite and the person I'm interested in has sex with multiple people, that's a deal breaker. This is like a Luke P, Luke Parker from Hannah Brown season 15. He used the same kind of uh, ineffective ultimatum, although he had Jesus on his side. This just seems in Chris's case to be personal choice. But this initial unsolicited divulging of his demands for the fantasy suite round in the first week of regular season play was my error, 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 error of the game. You don't do this. There's no reason for it. Absolutely not. (laughs) Zero reason. And for that reason, Chris, loading this Madison Prue style ultimatum very early on and without a PVC was also my error, 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 error of the game. Not to mention, he literally rubs his hands together, the ultimate villain gesture, saying I plan to be here all the way. I'm sure this is cut together. I'm sure it wasn't unprompted, but it's generally not a good idea to play out hypotheticals on this show out loud. I agree. 
Absolutely. And right after the Spencer ITMs that thinking about fantasy suites at this point is disrespectful and presumptuous. And you can see his wheels are starting to turn for a potential title play. Also, though, he's 100% incorrect. You should be thinking about fantasy suites, hometowns, finals, group dates, one-on-ones, literally every step of the game as much as possible before you even come into it. And while you're there, the error here is actually talking about it to the second audience. That's the other players. You can't ever fucking say shit like this. It is so dumb because these guys, I mean, at this point, even the guys were in the professional era. These are fucking sharks. They smell blood in the water. They're like, that guy's fucking gone. They they see a way now to eliminate him. Everybody who's sitting around there does. And we see what happens as, as it plays out through the rest of the game. You cannot talk about shit like uh, these leads can't have sex with other people because all these guys are like, <laughs> well, that's the whole point of this fucking show, dude. Like at some point, they're going to do that. We saw them have sex with Clayton last season. That too. Like, exactly. They've already done this. It's absolutely fucking insane. And you can't also talk about Instagram or prior relationships outside the show. These are kind of like the three big do not do this. It will Mm -hmm. always fucking end badly. And the other guys start shitting on him immediately. And you can see what's coming. There's going to be a group tattle. We don't yet know who the leader is going to be. But you can see Chris has already sunk himself here. You cannot say these things, but also it still doesn't make sense to say you can't think about fantasy suites because you also have to be thinking about a proposal. They, of course. You're not for TRR if you don't say I'm ready for a proposal. So you have to be thinking about the final round, but not the semi-final round. It may, like, there's no, there's no actual logic to it. No, it's the same thing as not being able to talk about Instagram or social media. It's like, of course yeah. you're thinking about that. Or not talk about thinking about being The Bachelor. Of course you're thinking about these things. They're part of this. You can only think about certain things at certain right. times. Don't you dare think about certain things at different mm. times, because then you're going to be in trouble. <laughs> it's a tough game. <laughs> it's a tough tough game. And you better not be thinking about sex in the first week of the game unless it's to get 29 men to show their genitals to you before you even have one conversation with half of them. Unless it's that. That's fine. Repulsion. Yeah. (laughs) Repulsion. Look, I'm giving it my error because I have to, but I already, you know, when I see this happening and him him using the word females and stuff, I already know the heinous shit that is in his DMs at this point. So I'm like, I, I, it's hard. It's hard to see that. No, of course. Yeah, please. Everybody listening to this, keep in mind, whatever you see in this show is not real. These people have said yes. some of these things. Some they haven't. There was Frankenbitten shit through Frankenbiting is when the producers will literally take audio and cut together syllables to make words and sentences they never said. That shit was everywhere in tonight's episode. Mm-hmm. There was one note that I made of it that I think I'll get to later. But uh, don't like, don't go after these fucking people. They're just no. people who went into this crazy Machiavellian game and they got cut into being a villain. Depends on who you wind up being. I'm not saying that guy didn't say some shitty things and all of that, but like. It's just, it's pro wrestling. This guy's the undertaker. Mm-hmm. He's not a real zombie. I I don't know what that means. Undertaker was a pro wrestler villain for a long time, and his gimmick was that he was a zombie. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, now that we've settled that. <laughs> he just seems like he's like, um, you know, someone that uh, Olivia Rodrigo would sing about. <laughs> 
<laughs> hating. Okay. <laughs> Starting to think of a young, a young example. Yeah, he's just a villain in the first week. He's gone now. We'll probably see him on Paradise, and that'll be that. Maybe he'll have a redemption arc. Maybe he won't. But nonetheless, we cut to commercial, and at the end of this string of commercials, in between portion four and five, we see another commercial for casting. Love hurts. Oh God. DLP says we can make it better. Apply for the Bachelor. Go to abc.com/casting. Then go ahead and have that third glass of wine. They are getting worse and worse at these. Love hurts. We can make it better. We're literally watching them destroy two women in service of what? TV ratings that are dwindling by the fucking year? Apply to date the next Bachelor. Then go ahead. Have that third glass of wine. You sad fucking idiot. Yeah. You're already drunk. Might as well black out. Forget your fucking problems. You already ate too many calories, you dumb bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Kill that bottle and apply for our show. But also the idea that it's like, love hurts. We can make it better. I know you've watched the past five seasons where we've done nothing but send people into nervous breakdowns and try to tear apart relationships and then publicly humiliate people who stay in them because they didn't do it the way we wanted. I mean, they don't make it better. They make everything worse. The only relationships that have worked out of the show in the past fucking six or seven years have been ones that happened off the show. Look at Clayton and Susie. She was forced to reject his final rose. They're now together despite the show. Who else is there? That's it. (laughs) Matt James and Rachel Kirkconnell. (laughs) Oh my God. How could I fucking forget that? That show threatened to fucking destroy their entire lives. And they had to come back together after the show. They're now together. I mean, the show doesn't make it better. Yeah, this is something we'll probably be discussing more in Twibbon and digging deeper. But the treatment of the leads in the recent seasons is... um, it's interesting. It's changed. But uh, this was almost my wowie moment of the week. This, this, these Bachelor casting videos. I mean, they're good. Like, I'm thinking about them. I'm tweeting about them. Like, I'm going to make a TikTok out of them. You know, I'm inspired yeah. creatively. <laughs> but Rachel Recchia on her night portion of her one-on-one date takes JV to a fancy theater which says Rachel and Jordan on it. This theater is the Los Angeles Theater. This is one of the old movie palaces that was probably erected in the 30s, I would guess, in downtown LA. And I have to say, as much as we're shitting on what the producers are doing, this location where they have a little table set up in a lobby under the chandelier, there's these golden thrones that they're going to be shooting. It's fucking beautiful. And I have to say, when the producers fucking do it right, they fucking do it right. This location is outstanding. Especially if you're like myself, a Los Angelino, you come to, or at least I have, I've come to love certain elements of the city and really like identify with the the kind of like old beauty of Hollywood and shit like that. And when you see them like just plop a fucking one-on-one dinner date right in the middle of something like that, or like the Ace Hotel, which is where they have Bachelor Live on stage. That was another old movie palace. They're just like these beautiful uh, settings. I thought this was a perfect venue. Really love to see it. And I thought that they decorate it very nicely. I love those gold chairs. I really enjoyed this one. Clues, mm-hmm. I've been on a mission. I'm trying to find Ooh. the perfect T-shirt. Yeah. 
um, because it's spring. I'm ready to get out there. I'm ready to peacock. Luckily, the perfect t-shirt does exist, and you can find it at Skims. From cropped silhouettes to long sleeve layering tees, there's a style for everyone. You guys know how excited I was that Skims became one of our sponsors for this podcast. They have great basics and foundations. I got the boyfriend t-shirt in onyx. That's kind of a dark black color. And the cotton jersey long sleeve t-shirt in kyanite, which is kind of like a blue green. And they're both so comfortable. It's basically like you are wearing nothing. Great for free spirit types. Well, for all the free spirits out there right now, you can shop the Skims t-shirt shop at skims.com. Now available in sizes XXS through 4X. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcasts in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Again, that's Skims. Game of Roses is sponsored by BetterHelp. Clues, uh, we all carry around different stressors, big and small. And if you keep them all bottled up, it can affect you negatively. Therapy is a great place to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. You might be taking care of your physical body, but are you taking care of that beautiful mind, Clues? Yes. I have benefited from therapy greatly in the past. Uh, It has helped me get through stressful experiences, manage boundaries, learn coping skills, you know, the... The whole premise of life is is kind of a, a, it's a lot to undertake, and therapy can help with that. Well, if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do to get started is fill out a brief questionnaire, then you get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists literally at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Game of Roses today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Game of Roses. Clues, it is springtime. It is the off season. It is gore girl summer. The weather's getting warmer. Thank you, Dark Lord Palmer. And it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and cowls, and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul, get those staple pieces, and I found quince. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces keeping me looking effortlessly chic year after year. I got the cotton modal scoop neck tee. It is so cute. It is literally the first thing I reach for in my dresser when all my clothes are washed. You know those special items. If you are not like Clues, who only wears one outfit. I'm Quince head to toe at this point. I'm a Quince boy. (gasps) I'm a source boy, Quince boy. You got no idea. I'm wearing Quince t-shirts, Quince pants, Quince long sleeve t-shirts, Quince pants, Quince sweaters, Quince pants. I'm Quinced. (laughs) Just call me Quinced. King Quinces, they call me. I love Quince. Okay, Quince. Uh, Get warm weather ready with Quince. Be a Quince King yourself or Quince Queen. Go to Quince.com slash roses for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I 
quince.com slash roses to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash roses. I thought it looked gorgeous. It looked like Cinderella or a Cinderella story, et cetera. Rachel items that they have a playful chemistry and she's seeing if it can be more than that. But she tells him that she loves that they share their passion for cars and airplanes. And Jordan says, you understand that feeling before you fly or drive and not everyone gets that. And we cut back to the house. And for what reason? (laughs) Here we go. Quincy's starting the attack on Chris based on the fantasy suite comment from earlier. Chris takes him to task for a second and he's like, be clear. What did I say? And anytime you have somebody doing some shit like that in an argument, you know their back's up against the wall and they are trying to initiate some kind of like alpha male controlling manipulation of the situation. And you just can't do it in our beloved game. Not now because the rest of the group is going to pile on. Quincy reminds him about the deal breaker comments in the fantasy suites. And Chris then proceeds to explain that if, in quotes, the female has sex with multiple partners, he wouldn't be interested in that person being his partner. After he says this thing about the female having sex, he wouldn't be interested. Hayden Markowitz does my... Face play of the game. I know the exact one. He makes a wild face once (laughs) Chris says this line and it really resonated with me and I appreciated it. No, I I know that face play. It was my second, my runner up to DLP. But uh, then Jordan pushes this play here. He says, well, you know what happened last season, right? And he says, would you vocalize your deal breaker about the, in quotes, female having sex with someone else, would you vocalize that deal breaker to the person before, during, or after fantasy suites? He is forcing him here to make some kind of decision. This is brilliant professional era gameplay mm-hmm. because he's seen what happened, not only Clayton Eckert's season, but Madison Pruitt did this. A bunch of players have done things like this, and he's trying to get him to commit. Luke P. Luke P. did it. He's trying to commit to get Chris to commit here to maybe hanging himself out to dry. Because if he says, I would tell him before Fantasy Suites, then Jordan's next play is like, great, you'll tell him as soon as they come back then. Now, that doesn't wind Mm -hmm. up happening, but he's trying here. I I love to see this. It's like, this shit won't fly in the professional era. You can't do this anymore. It's, It's fucking great. They are all so smart about it. And it's like, to say that is implying that none of them have thought about having sex with Gabby or Rachel, basically. So they're all, they're all slinging the sauce here. It's absolutely too early. You have to know someone for at least four days before you can even contemplate it. They've only known them for three. Okay. (laughs) But here Hayden (laughs) escalates it further it's so true. It is like a difference of three yeah. to four. It's wild. <laughs> then we've got Jordan escalating it. He says, when you're in fantasy suites, you're there because you're in love. This is wrong, of course. You can enter fantasy suites while still falling in love. That's love level three. Some players, especially in early seasons, were all at love level one by the time they went to fantasy suites. So you can be at any love level. You can be Shannon on season one and just dip your head in and then yell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't even have to go in the fantasy suite. 
But then Chris says, when you're in the fantasy suites, you're there because you're in the final four. This is actually correct. And then Jordan again says, it's a game to you. And he thinks he's got him here. He thinks he's nailed him to the fucking wall. But the, the news for everybody is it's a game to all them. And Chris is playing it the same way they are. They're all also thinking about fantasy suites. Chris had just made the, the fatal flaw of speaking about it out loud. And Chris is in a real mind F here. He says, gosh, darn it. I did not say that. And Quincy says, you have this approach. You're trying to control it. And it's rubbing us wrong. And Chris says, rubbing you wrong. And (laughs) he's like, just trying to get him off on one technicality. (sighs) And Logan steps in. He's confident. He's got Rose in pocket. He says, maybe you don't mean it in a condescending tone. But in general, that's what it sounds like to people. (laughs) Nate says, anytime you're premeditated saying, I won't do this unless that, that is a form of control and that is manipulative. This could be our queen, the mother of our children. I'm like, mother of some of our children. Nate, you cannot have preconditions to love form of control. A lot of men do that and don't realize that damages good women. Great play from Nate here. Absolutely fantastic. That's assured to make the cut. It is a metaphor, and it is setting up something that we see later. Absolutely. And then back on the one-on-one, we see Jordan essentially turning in a perfect performance here. He delivers a divorce PTC. His parents were divorced when he was young. He talks about how he had to grow up quick to take care of his siblings, and family became very important to him. He learned a lot of life lessons that things don't always go as planned, but that's okay. This is a perfect fucking play. This is how you use a PTC, personal tragedy card. This bad thing happened when I was young, but here's what I learned from it, and that's why I'm a better person. Fucking perfect. Rekia, though, ITMs that although he is perfect, and he's there for her, and he's honest, she knows there's something missing, and she feels like she's pushing it down. She excuses herself and goes to talk to a fucking producer that we see off in the shadows. And uh, then we get the a shot of like the back of the producer's shoulder as Rekia is saying she doesn't know what to do. And we obviously know what's coming next. Nothing good for Jordan, unfortunately. Portion six begins back at the house. A knock on the door. Another date card. It is for Nate. He gets the other one-on-one. Meet me at my place. Love Gabby. P.S. Bring a bathing suit. We know that probably means a hot tub. Everybody claps. And Nate ITMs that he feels like he won the lottery. And then he yells, let's go. Getting a lot of ultimate Viking style let's goes this season. Rachel comes back to the table. She says, I truly could not have asked for a better person to spend an incredible day with. But there's something missing for me tonight. I don't know if I can get there with you. And she executes Jordan V. This was shocking to me. The first of my final four to go. Yeah. I thought he was going to be a very strong player and last a very long time. But we find here a mechanic that I was not aware of until this happened. And that is, if you go on a one-on-one date and you don't get the rose, you fucking go home. You don't get a shot with the other bachelorette. No, it's because he played an all-eggs-one-basket. What if Gabby says, you know what? I know you played an all-eggs-one-basket, but I think we can develop a relationship here. Let's give it a shot. He already did an all-eggs-one-basket, which kind of shows why that's not a good strategy early on in... A two crown season, but I did think it was a strong play when he did it. So I I feel like we didn't see a lot of this date. Obviously, we were cut into the females drama, but uh, we see the private concert and they sing to no one. No, there's a shot of Rekia in the theater, sitting in the, a chair by herself. Wait, really? 
I missed that. I was like, Rachel should have gone and started dancing by herself. Whatever. Fuck it. She didn't dance. She went into the theater and she was kind of meandering around by the door. But then there was one shot from the stage of, I think it was her. Maybe it was a producer stand in just so that they could have this shot. It wasn't clear on her and she was kind of in the background. But these two artists were Ashley Cook, who has 129,000 Instagram followers and Brett Young, who has a million. And they still get their time on screen. Their contracts are fulfilled Mm -hmm. for sure. But no one is there to really hear the song. And then uh, the Grim Reaper comes to take Jordan B's bag and the guys are all flabbergasted that he's going home. And then we get this weird montage set to that song that they're playing. Gabby in bed staring into space as part of that montage. (laughs) Why the fuck is she in that montage? Because of these Rachel Reckia ITMs. She says, I feel a lot of pressure as Bachelorette if the first one-on-one is not working, then I'm failing as the bachelorette. And then she goes on to say, like, I didn't ever expect to be the bachelorette. It's hard to feel like I deserve it because I never felt like I did. I don't want to be the bachelorette. I just want to be Rachel. This is the conclusion of this, like, I'm not good at being the bachelorette. And them including these ITMs where Rachel Reckia is questioning her status was my... Wowie moment Moment of the the week. week. I just feel like you should be portraying your bachelorettes in a good light. Of course. There is the only time, in my opinion, you can show a lead wavering, not confident, questioning if they're doing this right, is if some person that they're very into bolts on them. Like I remember, was it Desiree Hartsock with Brooks? When that guy left, she was like, oh my God, what is going on? Am I doing this right? Because she had such feelings for that person and that person left. Fine. Then you're questioning it because you're developing a connection. To have your fucking lead saying this in the second episode of the goddamn show on an inconsequential one-on-one date with a guy she literally has just met, absolutely a bad call. You have now painted her in this kind of lesser than light as a bachelorette. And you don't want that for your season. You want the lead to always seem in control, to always seem to be on a pedestal, I think. Like, they're the star of the show. You don't want to see them wavering like this in fucking episode two. It's insane. I feel like they threw her under the bus just for this, like, portion five and six drama. Yep. Just to have a a down emotional note to end on. But she produces tears here twice. Uh, portion seven, we get a next day when Dakia chat. Rekia tells Gabby about Jordan Vanderberg. Gabby says, what if the same thing happens to me? Rachel says, trust yourself, be 100% honest. And we see Nate getting ready. And he loads his package deal that he has a child. And in his ITM, he says, I love that girl so much. She is happy for me. And he produces tears. This is some of the most 4TRR play we have seen yet this season. I believe Nate is going to be delivering 4TRR play. That's for the right reasons. Play for the rest of this season. He is a very strong contender after what we saw tonight, I believe. But he arrives at the Bachelorette Villa. Gabby opens the door. He picks her up. He hugs her. And then it turns into this strange impromptu double date as he walks into the kitchen (laughs) to find Rachel Recchi and they all drink champagne together. I was like, what the fuck is going on here? Is he on a date with... Gabby, why was Rachel in the kitchen like midday, like drinking by herself? Like she's like Kirsten from the OC. 
Yes. Right after she said, am I doing this bachelorette thing right? Now the producers have her sitting there getting day drunk by herself. It's like (laughs) this shit is not the way to do it. Also, it fucks up any potential relationship she could have with Nate. Because now, I mean, I don't know if they're going to try to angle it that way. Maybe he's already all eggs Gabby. I don't fucking know. But that relationship is fucking out the window now. Now she's just like the funny sister in the relationship or whatever. He can't explore both. It'll it'll be too fucking bizarre. At any rate, they wa- they go out, uh, Nate and Gabby go out and they, uh, you know, look at this crazy view from the villa and he tells her he wants to make a connection because, he's, because he cares about her. That's a love level one. And then he gets a little kiss and a helicopter comes to pick him up for this get to the chopper date and they fly around the city. They fly by the Santa Monica Pier, where I've spent no less than 10,000 hours playing Pokemon Go. They fly by the Hollywood sign. Where I've played Pokemon Go. (laughs) (laughs) You might have taught me in hours at this point. But uh, they also fly past the mansion, and the producers force all the guys out onto the balcony to be like, oh, look, there they are. They're waving. This is a peeping Tom, we call it. By the way, Nate does the most art for TRR uh, ITM here. I can see the entire world, but I find myself looking at the hottie inside the cabin. Very beautiful one. And ultimately, they land by a hot tub, this portable wooden hot tub that we've seen before in season 25. Matt James in JoJo Fletcher's season. I think they've used it a couple other times too. It's not only a hot tub, it's the exact same, maybe the exact same hot tub but it's at least the same style. I, I kind of think that they have this one portable hot tub in storage somewhere and they just fucking roll it out every season. We may never know. <laughs> Portia Nate. <laughs> Nate and Gabby go to a fancy dinner and Nate says, I felt like I hung with someone I've known more than three days. You're a familiar soul. One, one, one moment. Just a couple of moments, actually. I'm going to need some moments here. One, <clears throat> as they are walking, okay, first of all, it's Union Station is where this is happening. Let me just get this out of the way. This is one of the coolest places in Los Angeles, in my opinion. It was built, I believe, in the 30s. It's got this crazy fucking art deco architecture. Absolutely stunning. Absolutely beautiful. Giant, probably 60-foot ceilings. And again, the producers, when they do it well, they do it fucking well. It makes these moments between these couples seem big, seem like they are on Mm -hmm. a fucking stage that is magical. And it really was well done, I think. I I loved what they did with um, Union Station here. That said, when the couple is walking into Union Station, the shot we get is shooting directly at the opening entrance, and we see their hands clasped. Nate and Gabby are holding hands and their hands come in over the camera. This is a staged shot. They had to place a camera, lock it off, and then tell Nate and Gabby, okay, now hold hands and walk over the camera. I would even argue they probably had their director say, action. This is acting. This is a job. This is covered by the Screen Actors Guild. This is not reality television. I believe Nate has a lawsuit here. They put him to work and they ain't paying him nothing. How how is that different from them staging like a hooju? Staging a hooju is okay, you guys are gonna run at each other. Ha ha ha, let's go. This is fucking blocking a goddamn scene. Hold hands, you stand here, you stand here, three, two, one, walk. 
It's different. I'm telling you. This to me felt like acting. I just think they do that stuff all the time. Like, okay, you're all in front of the Cleveland sign. Okay, now jump on the count of three. Like, right. But that's different because at least there's a feeling of like a documentary sense. You're just pointing a camera at somebody. You're telling them maybe what to do ish. And then they go. This was like an artfully designed shot with them walking in a weird forced perspective with their hands over the camera. To me, it was different. That's all I'm going to say. And I think, Nate, you may have a lawsuit. If you're out there, call me. I'll do your lawsuit. (laughs) Yeah. Did the bachelor force you to do acting that you didn't want to do and they're not paying for you? Call me, the hammer. Bachelor clues. I'll get you the money you deserve. You make like one of those. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) One of those like highway signs. Call this number. Clues. Clues is No. I saw one the other day. I was driving down Beverly that was a guy named Sweet James. And it was like, call me if you've been injured in a whatever. Sweet James. I've seen Sweet James. Yeah. Call me Saucy Clues if you believe you're owed sauce by The Bachelor. Now, we have this one-on-one date. It's occurring in the Union Station. It's beautiful. And this (laughs) was some fucking stellar, stellar play. Gabby says she felt something like intrigue for Nate. This is a love level one. He takes a sip. And then he plays his package deal. He's got a six-year-old daughter. He's a girl dad, a thousand percent, he says. And they both are on the verge of tears here. And he says, she's his daughter's the human form of coffee, a very cute little sentiment. Then Gabby produces tears. And she starts talking about how she's close to her dad, but wasn't close to her mom. And it made her uh, self-sufficient as a kid and independent. She had to learn what it is to be loved. So for him to step up and talk about loving his daughter is so incredible. And here, Nate's play of his package deal was my... Play, 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 play of the game. This is fucking textbook. You play either a PTC, a package deal, whatever you can on this night one to assure that you're going to get that rose. And the way he played the package deal, in my opinion, means he still has a PTC to play. That's either going to happen at an after party of a group date in the next couple of weeks or his next one-on-one. He's still got that PTC up his sleeve. It's fucking brilliantly done. I did not even realize that there's an implied PTC here. Genius, genius. His, look, Nate's package deal was going to be my play of the game until something else happened. I thought it was gorgeous. I thought it was so for TRR. I mean, producing tears, pulling tears from Gabby, pulling a PTC from Gabby. I mean, it's, it's really all you could want. And he closes it out with this future casting. I really do see I could have a potential future with you and a potential for love. That love level one, he instantly gets that one-on-one rose, that zero pointer, and they kiss. And then we get this ITM from Gabby. If I were to ever become a mom, it would be hard because you love it so much. And then it continues. I'm afraid to be a mom because it will hurt too bad, but it gives me the confidence seeing him have such a big capacity for love. And she's crying. And I'm like, 
in this moment when they're focusing on Gabby wanting to be a mom or not, I was like, this isn't really necessary for this part of the, of the show. It makes mm-hmm. me think he is endgame that this is a long-term theme that they're planting for Gabby. Like, is she ready to be an instant mom? Yes, I agree. And I think ultimately she may not be, and that's going to allow Nate to get a deep run and then be eliminated. And who knows where he goes from there. But I think there is very big stuff in store for Nate from our beloved game. But they they get a little dance around the information booth as she ITMs that he is a true, true man. We get some more kissing. Again, this is essentially a perfect one, a perfect early season one-on-one for sure. He again withheld the personal tragedy card. He still has that to play, and did just everything perfectly here. Portion nine begins. It is daytime. We're back at the house. Meatball is talking about tensions being <laughs> high. He says he's not really leaning toward either lead yet. And Quincy's itming that tonight is the cocktail party. And Jordan not coming back has left some questions for him and a lot of the other guys. They give him an early ponder shot. Night falls and Avon ITMs that no one knows how the rose ceremony is going to work with two leads. We're still talking about how no one knows how the fucking game mechanics work. At this point, it's like, I get it. Nobody understands it. Not even Dark Lord Palmer. It's all up in the air. Who gives a fuck? Like, stop doing that. It's so dumb. Why do they keep saying that? Gabby says here there's going to be a natural time where it splits off. And I'm like, yeah, there's going to be a natural time where Dark Lord Palmer comes in. He says, ting, ting, you must all eggs at once, all players. And now is the natural time when you have to choose one of the leads. Begin. Like, it's going to literally be some fucking bullshit like that. 100%. Nonetheless, all the guys and the women enter the cocktail party. Rachel Rucky ITMs that she's at square one with a lot of them and wonders if they don't like her. I hate this. What the fuck are you doing? Don't put that in the edit. I hate that. It is unreal to me. It's absolutely a failure on the producer's part to protect your lead. Not that they have done that in the past X amount of seasons anyway, but there's no need to put this in the fucking edit. You're just making her look insecure and not like a bachelorette. I I will never understand why they're doing this. It's... It to me, it seems like you're trying to like dramatize the episode and sacrifice the season. At the cocktail party, Mario gets the first responder. He has a one on one with Rekia first, and he basically says, I'm still going to go after Rekia, even though I got Gabby's Fimp. And he tells Rekia he was excited about her Chicago vibe. And he's going to take her through a mini workout where he supports her. She doesn't have to do much. And he picks her up and like carries her around, which I thought was a great. He was fucking squatting her at one point. Literally just like fucking (laughs) holding her and doing squats with her. It's fucking hilarious. And while he's doing this, Gabby is talking to someone else and she catches it out of the corner of her eye. Now, this is evidence that the producers are trying to pit them against each other. The producers very easily can make sure that Rachel Recky is talking to whoever she's talking to on this side of the house and Gabby's talking to whoever she's talking to on this side of the house, that they never see each other talking to the other one. Instead, they put them close enough to each other so that they can both see each other and it fucks them up. It fucks up whatever conversation they're having with the person. It fucks up their relationship. The producers are doing that on purpose. Make no fucking mistake. Rachel Recchia has one-on-one time with Tyler. He tells her he owns a seasonal business on a boardwalk, and they're going to shoot some little basketballs. And on this little basketball game were some stuffed animals, a stuffed dog that... 
Unfortunately, due to zero competition, was my. <laughs> Creature of the week. This stuffed animal dog was not strutting anything because it's an inanimate plush toy. But I agree with you, Pace Case. There was no <laughs> other competition, so this stuffed dog was mine. <laughs> Creature of the week. Uh, a fucking big lack of creatures. Didn't like to see that, but at least we got the stuffed dog, I suppose. And then we see Gabby and Eric have some one-on-one time. They lay down. She makes fun of his mullet and tells him she'll cut his hair because he looks terrible. Gets a little kiss. Uh, Recky has some mini golf with someone and gets a kiss. ITMs. She's finally feeling like a bachelorette tonight. So that's turned the corner. They wrapped that whole story up nice and neat. Look, she might have not thought she was a good bachelorette, but now she's great. And then Quincy is telling <laughs> a few other guys that he thinks they should tattle on Chris. He's got his usual usual suspects there, the other Jordan and Hayden. Hayden's like, I'm fucking in. Quincy goes to find Rekia. He brings her back to Hayden and Jordan, and he sets her down and launches this tattle. Now, this is an expert tattle. He knows he can't do this by himself. He knows a singular tattle, that's old school. You cannot do that shit anymore. You need a fucking group. So he gets at least two other people to have his back. Brilliantly fucking done. Get your witnesses. No, your witnesses, but you got to have people like backing up what you're fucking saying. Jordan here even jumps in and explains what Chris said about fantasy suites. Hayden is kind of sitting there silently. Maybe he said some shit, but it doesn't make the edit. And Rekia says she doesn't even know why sex is being brought up. She ITMs that she doesn't want to be sexualized. And I have to say, this one made me laugh pretty hard. The entire first group date was forcing 29 men to show their genitals and buttocks to Rachel Recchia and Gabby Wendy. Every promo that we see in every episode has all of them making out in bathing suits. This show is about sexualizing everyone in it always. That is what it is. Rip. Peelsian all around. <laughs> <laughs> now, that said, Rekia also ITMs being extremely upset about Chris trying to take control and talking about the fantasy suites too early. Now we're getting a little more into what you cannot do in this game. And she's right here. You can never talk about you know, what will or won't happen at Fantasy Suites. And if this doesn't happen, then fuck it, I'm out of here. As soon as you say anything that's like some kind of implied ultimatum or a real ultimatum, you're fucking gone, especially this early in the game. So we then move into portion 10. Rekia and Wendy are talking. Rekia divulges that Chris has, has already talked about Fantasy Suites and he has made certain demands about the nature of Fantasy Suites once he gets there and he's sure that he will. And Gabby has some great face play here. She cannot believe what she's hearing. Big open mouth, shocked. And uh, it's not for me as good as DLP's reaction to Meatball pouring sauce on his naked body, but it was pretty good. I love after someone's talking about Fantasy Suites and she goes, ew. Yeah. <laughs> Because her last memory of it was so traumatic, I suppose. She ITMs, I haven't even talked to Chris for him to be talking fantasy suites is ridiculous. It seems very controlling and disrespectful of our journey and process. I just want to see this intercut with Maddie Bruce ultimatum. 
<laughs> I feel like this whole thing is shitting all over Maddie Prue. And it's like, I know. Actually, revisionist history, she was the villain of the season. Yeah. Uh, when Dekia pulled Chris, he is already passive aggressive right off the bat. Nice to finally meet you. Oy. <sighs> Oh, Gabby, God. do you think it's appropriate to talk fantasy suites this early? Chris, fantasy suites was a conversation. Uh, you know, if I were going to find love, I work through the end and I work backwards. He's trying a lot of things here. A lot of circular talking, a lot of kind of like, don't look over here, look over here. He's doing misdirection like a magician, like Roby might mm -hmm. do if he wanted to do a card trick on you. He says my exact verbatim wording, a person interested in had sex with someone else, then myself, I'm not taking away anyone else's decision and something I would never want to do to a female. God, oh, this boy. man just cannot get a sentence out without saying female. It's unreal. <laughs> <laughs> you can't do it. Uh, Gabby says you're very calculated. Thoughts about fantasy suites are pretty inappropriate. You've seen our journey. You know it's important. Respect our position. And Chris says, I'd like the opportunity to meet with both of you individually, but y'all, you all don't want the opportunity. <laughs> yeah, it's your fault this is happening. This has nothing to do with what I've done. You guys are mishandling the situation. Gabby then kicks him off. Rekia is like, I kick you off too. And they walk him out. So this was a successful tattle attack by Quincy here. Early season. Mm -hmm. And Chris is... <laughs> Ask them, where do I walk? They're offended that he would even say, where do we go? And when Dekia hug each other for how they handled it. How dare he ask for logistical information about how to return home after being held prisoner here for four days? Yeah. <laughs> Find a fucking PA. Why are you asking us? <laughs> if you are a wine lover like myself and you got to have it for your bachelor reviewing parties, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I found the personalized, the most personalized wine club that has amazing wines and exclusive perks called First Leaf. As a First Leaf member, you get to try new wines and I'm guaranteed to enjoy them because they got to know my unique preferences. I answered a few questions on their website, this quiz about the flavors you like, how often you drink wine, Monday nights, if you prefer red, white, or rosé. And based on these, it gives you this amazing selection of wines tailored just for you. And when you rate those wines, it gets even more tailored, a la, you know, uh, Netflix. Just play into the algorithm. My algorithm got me both rosé and white wine, mm. my favorites, and they were so delicious, and I've gotten to enjoy them with many of my, my friends. Look, being part of the First Leaf Wine Club also has perks. As a member, you get access to their incredibly helpful wine concierge. So if you want a uh, wine pairing advice or you want to talk about the wines in your box, you can always talk to one of their experts. Plus, you get member exclusive pricing. What's in the box? On every order. <laughs> Join the club today and discover new wines you'll love with First Leaf. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash roses to get your first box. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F.com slash roses. Tryfirstleaf.com slash roses. Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 
15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in um, Three Body Problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums, as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. Uh, it's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums, and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven-day oh. program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact... Mm. They have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber Skincare. Sweaters, candles, the dreaded bathrobe, unfortunately, Mother's Day gifts can be a little predictable and boring. That's why an Aura Frame is the perfect gift to mix things up this year. It was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. Aura Frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. My mom loves hers. I'm throwing pictures of Skabuli and our cat up there. She's laughing. She's texting me. He's so cute. I wish I could meet him. Cute. It's the next best thing to, to meeting my cat, really. You know, I love that it was so easy to set it up. I've recently learned I'm not good at uh, building things and I need an easy install. And oh. this only takes about two minutes to set up the frame using the Aura app. Aura frames are Wi-Fi connected, come with unlimited storage so you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. She'll be grateful it's not another sweater and she'll love the frame to see more of you. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A, Frames.com. Use code ROSES at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. then performs a resurrection he walks back in he says friends can i talk to you and he starts pulling individuals and organizes them on a couch nate can you come hayden and then he says who talked to her and then windekia get word of this little resurrection he's trying to pull and they push past a masked camera person to stop Chris's interrogation. And this masked camera person pushed by Wendekia to stop Chris's resurrection was my... Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. Oh, they also push past... A masked sound guy whose face is aglow with the blue light from his sound deck. And this man moves out of their way so fast, so expertly, giving them the reverence, the respect they deserve that this man, this sound man was my... 
Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. We didn't have many choices here either, sadly. <laughs> I think next week we might get some better ones. But the crowns come in and they say, we've asked you to leave. Now get the fuck out. So the tattlers get away with it. They don't even really have to come clean here about what they did. However, there is one move here that is of note. Gabby says, we did ask you to leave. And Nate says, Nate stands up and he says, that's all that needs to be said. If they asked you to leave, just be a gentleman and go. And Nate paying homage to Tyler Cameron saying she said no bro to Luke P on Hannah Brown's season was my play 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 of the game Nate is a student of this game at the school of the male Instagram champion, Tyler Cameron. He backs up their decision immediately, and it is the perfect 4TRR touch on his beautiful play throughout this episode. Okay. Got a little bit of a bone to pick there. The fact that you're attributing Tyler Cameron solely as the person that he's paying homage to here, if you'll remember... Pilot Peter Weber was also part of the group that upheld Hannah Brown's decision right next to Tyler Cameron. And if you'll remember, the disgraced Jed Wyatt was also there, also part of that backing up of Hannah Brown's decision. They were all in that unified. There were guys there, but they weren't going for it like Tyler. They didn't say she said no, bro. Jed was off celebrating to himself under his breath. Tyler was the one in his face. And don't discount Hannah Brown herself, who fucking moved the podium so that... Uh... Are you kidding? Okay, <laughs> this is... I'm not discounting right. Hannah Brown. I'm just saying Nate is paying homage to Tyler Cameron here by defending the Bachelorette, the crown eternal. Chris has walked out once again, this time by a PA probably, and then DLP shows up with a one, two, three, four, five, six ting and standard play has come to a close when the dark lord shows up and brings knife to glass no matter how many times he touches it that sound is the same thing as a buzzer in basketball a whistle in football anything to signify that standard play has concluded and the turtles express concern over having the night derailed by the tattling event and them not getting any time to talk portion 11 begins we have a full moon roses on a pedestal dlp emerges he explains that 27 players remain so you already know there's going to be a big cut tonight many of you will be going home he says he takes a certain pleasure in letting them know that their demise is nigh and he explains the mechanics that these roses are going to be coming from both women. So they mean that they both want you around. Again, that differentiation has not yet happened on either side. The guys haven't differentiated. The women haven't differentiated. There ain't no differentiation in a goddamn week one. That's what we're learning. So, Logan, Nate, Johnny, you all have roses. Of course, the one-on-one -on -one rose that Nate got and the group date roses that Logan and Johnny got, they're safe. Gabby, once again, comes out and says that getting a rose means we both like you. We both invite you to stay till next week. No differentiation. We get it. Very clear. And the first flower goes to Jason, then Avon, 
then Eric. Then they use Jordan H in an ITM being nervous about being part of the Chris drama. So they're drumming up this false fear of him leaving. Then we see Zach gets a rose. Jordan then gets a rose. Quincy, Michael, Tino. They Frankenbite the living shit out of some Jacob lines to make it seem like he's nervous about elimination. I don't know what this guy actually said, but it wasn't anything about being nervous about elimination. He then gets a rose. Tyler gets a rose. He ITMs all eggs for Rachel. Then Tremaine gets a rose. Hayden, Meatball, Kirk, Spencer, Alec, Ethan. DLP emerges. Rachel, Gabby, gentlemen, this is the final rose tonight. When you ladies are ready, we see no dark touch. That was a tradition uh, upheld by the Dark Lord Harrison. He would always come out and touch the lead in the small of their back right before the first rose was to be, or the last rose was to be given out. So far, DLP has done no dark touches. And the final rose goes to Mario. We lose nine guys. Your suffering was savored. DLP then delivers a Tam Sig. That is a take a moment, say your goodbyes. Hugs all around. And we get one exit speech from Ryan, the Chad Johnson lookalike, who's essentially talking about having emotions this fast being very surprising. It's all over before it started, he said. Very 4TR exit speech here. I bet we might see that dude in paradise. And those that remain cheers with uh, actual liquid in the glasses this time. And Mario ITMs that it's more difficult to navigate than he thought, setting him up to be in love maybe with both of them. Or that's going to be a, a future narrative for him. And then we get a promo for the rest of the season. They're in wedding dresses that they rip off the lower half of. Bring on the men. They all run toward him. There's more nudity. A proposal date bowling grandpa john there's a kiss there's a football field tears jacob shoots down gabby eric seems like he gets dismissed roses are rejected leads walk out Rekia seems to be quitting at some point at the end of this fucking promo wouldn't you <laughs> i mean it, it's such a strange faustian bargain this whole show i mean we talk about this a lot you, you know you get this opportunity to be on this big tv show and potentially get a huge amount of social media followers that can lead to a very lucrative career as an influencer or a podcast host or whatever you may want to do with it. Um, but it does seem to be coming at like quite a cost for some of these players, at least in the short term. Like Clayton Eckerd, I don't know how many followers he's going to wind up with eventually. Over 100,000 probably, even if it boils off a little bit. And he'll be able to use that for maybe the rest of his life to make some kind of money. You know, Is it worth going through a year of living hell for that? Maybe. I don't know. Depends on your constitution. Yeah. <laughs> and on who you wind up being. Indeed. And who Meatball winds up being is our colorful narrator, our fool, all kind of in one here in the tag as he brings spaghetti and meatballs out for Rekia and Gabby Wendy. They all sit down to a three-way meal. They do a cheers with pieces of meatball. Brilliant play here as he's magnifying the meat the meatball nickname. Uh, guaranteeing a spot, by the way, in Paradise. And he reveals that he has siblings with nicknames, but we never hear their nicknames. And then Gabby and Rachel engage in, in what is a Lady in the Tramp style eating of a piece of spaghetti, and he tries to get them to kiss in front of him. And they don't. And that is the end of this week one, second episode of season 19 of The Bachelorette. Who was your MVP? For his package deal play, for his play of the game, defense of Windekia, for his chemistry play with Gabby complimenting her voices in the hot tub and picking her up, for coming off Super 4TRR, not even distracted by the get to the chopper date, Nate Mitchell was my MMMMVP. 
was yours? It was not Nate Mitchell. Listen, I gave him my play of the game. He's a good player. I think he's going to go very far. But I will say what he did, it was textbook. And I'm not saying that's bad. It's good. It was great play. It was my play of the game. But to get my MVP, you got to do a magic trick. I'm just kidding. To get my MVP, (laughs) I like people who elevate the game, who do something a little new. And for me tonight, there was one player who did that. Quincy Williams was my MVP. We've seen the fine art of tattling evolve over the years without question. And we've seen it evolve to a place where it can be very effective, like it was tonight. But what he did, I think, has brought tattling into the professional era. He sees in the beginning when Chris starts talking about, oh, I'm talking about fantasy suites. Nobody better be having sex in the fantasy suites unless it's me. (laughs) He understands immediately, like, this is how I'm knocking that fucking guy out but he doesn't do it immediately. He's like, how am I going to do this? First, let me get my team together. Are you in? Are you in? He puts that fucking team together. Then he has a conversation with the team that says, we need to tell them tonight, are you still in? He gets that corroboration. Yes, I'm in. Yes, I'm in. Great. Team, you stay here. I'm going to go get the target. He brings the target to the team. The team does a team tattle that he leads and it's effective. This is now how you do a tattle in the professional era. You need a team. You bring the target to the team. You target. You tattle to the target with your team. Quincy. Quincy Williams. Yeah. Congratulations okay. <laughs> on this prestigious award. I hope that you win many more. I, I would love to see you do a team tattle again. I think you're really fantastic at it. And uh, I don't know. I want to see what else you can do. I, I mean... I've never seen someone more deserving of a double MVP than Nate, but okay. What? You've never seen someone more deserving of a double MVP? Have you ever watched uh, season 24 of The Bachelor? Night one, Hannah Ann Sluss? I rest my case, Your Honor. Anyways, that wraps up our recap of tonight's big game. This is the first game of the regular season of Bachelorette season 19, and I loved it. I got to say, as much as I hate what they're doing to the leads, I really like this episode a lot because of Nate's strong play, because of Quincy's strong play, because of Chris's absolute insanity, and because (laughs) of the locations. There is an element of the production tonight that I think has been missing. Even when they tried to do it in Clayton's season, it came off fake. It came off like they didn't want him to have it. This shit felt real to me. It felt like, let's find two absolutely beautiful locations for these bachelorettes to have their first one-on-one dates. And it showed to me. It, those moments, at least, felt like the show. It felt like the game at its height to me. And granted, the rest of the episode did not, but at least we're getting that now, you know? There, there's, there's some indication here that they might be turning a corner, to me anyway, that like the opulence is coming back. The treatment of these important moments is coming back. I think for me, what really was like that was the dates, having the zero G date, having the get to the chopper. You need to start off with those to have that feel. And while I don't like a creatureless episode, I also loved this episode. And there's characters starting to come out that I can't wait to watch. I mean, Nate was so good in this Mm. and 
I can't wait to see what Quincy does. I can't wait to see who they're going to make the actual villain. We've only had these like one episode villains yeah. so far. I know. Well, I mean, that's also a, I think a, a part of the professional era. You can't really villain too much because you get a, a group title coming at your ass and then you're fucked. And the leads mm-hmm. don't suffer villains too much either anymore. You know, if they detect one, they're like, fuck it, get them out of here. But I will say this, as much as I liked the locations and, and that feeling of like, we're coming back to what the game used to be. There still is the opposite of that in this episode too. In the beginning, when they open it and they have guys sleeping on the fucking floor and on beds outside and shit, it's like, don't fucking show me that. This is not Bachelor in Paradise. Paradise, part of Paradise is that it's a hostile environment and people lose their fucking minds there and nobody's comfortable and they really get treated like shit. That's a part of that show. That is never a part of Bachelor. I mean, we know that it is a part of Bachelor, but you don't show it in The Bachelor. You hide that in The Bachelor. I want the big shiny thing. They show the bunk beds in paradise. They don't show them on the bachelor or bachelorette usually. Exactly. But it's again, it's like it's it's sacrificing the whole season and the whole show for these. You know, that's supposed to be like a one off joke to be like, oh, look how many people there are. That's the only reason they showed it. Exactly. And it it makes no sense. It doesn't up the quality of the fucking episode at all. It doesn't make me feel any type of way about the guys or the leads. It offers nothing except look how badly we treat these people. That's all you get out of that. There's no reason to have it in the show. You need to hide how badly you treat them, in my opinion. <laughs> And uh, that's it for our breakdown of tonight's game. We will have a twibbon for you coming out on Friday at noon Pacific time. And then a digging deeper coming out on Monday. And I can't wait to do this one with you. Jesus Christ. I like, I don't know how many more of them I can do and stay sane. The sauce wars are so fucking crazy right now. These digging deepers. I like I'm, salivating at the idea of listening to the fucking clips now. I can't live like this. I thought I was in the pit before, deep in the fucking pit. I don't know what the fuck's going on now. I'm still digging for sure, but Jesus. If it makes you feel better, you have thought that you were losing your mind many times before because of our beloved game. But I thought that I stabilized. Somewhere near the bottom of the pit, I was like, okay, I got down my my normal rate of digging. I'm digging about like five feet a day deeper, five feet a day deeper. Now I'm like, somebody gave me a fucking bulldozer. I'm just excavating like 4,000 metric tons of rock and gravel at the bottom of the pit every fucking day. Give me more. Like there's no end to it. I, I do feel like I'm getting much deeper into the pit through the sauce wars. And if you all want to see where that goes, go to patreon.com slash game of roses. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that let's let's end the show here. Thank you everyone for joining us. And before we go, as always, what is that dwab at? It has been seven thousand four hundred and twenty-one days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be, Dark Lord Palmer. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. 
Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then 